Well, let's, uh, let's pray, and then we'll get underway. My gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for, for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to just slow down for a moment and to consider that you have conquered the grave. That as we sit here this morning, we are declaring that you overcame death and by your power and your grace, you have conquered sin. And Father, what a joy it is. What a joy it is to be able to declare that this morning. And as we turn to your word, I pray that our hearts may burn with a joy and absolute desire to know and to see you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, on Friday, uh, just to get us a little bit into uh, some of the context, on Friday, Ludwig uh, took us through uh, Luke 4 as one of the passages. And I just want to highlight something that uh, was already said there by Jesus in Luke 4. This was obviously way before he would be crucified. He said in uh, Luke 4 verse 24, Truly I tell you, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there, are, that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them but to the widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha, the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, uh, only Na- uh, Naaman the Syrian. And it was at that point, and we're not going to go into all the details of what Ludwig preached there um, on Friday, but it was at that point that the people were absolutely furious with Jesus. They couldn't handle what he had to say, and they wanted to kill him. There and then, on that spot, they wanted to take him to a cliff and throw him off. Obviously, it was way before the time, or it was before his time to actually die on the cross. And so uh, he disappeared. He walked through them as if they couldn't grab him, hold him, see him. Who knows? And so highlighting the fact that a prophet was not acknowledged even in his hometown there jesus was not recognized and highlighting the fact that they couldn't recognize the prophets of old and they couldn't recognize what he had to say in this passage this morning uh, jesus also highlights a similar thing and he expands on that verse 19 he says what things he asked About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The people recognize Jesus in some way or form as a prophet here. They see him as having brought a message to declare something, and yet the ones that are declaring it are incapable of seeing Jesus for who he is. Though we got to keep in mind that he has withheld an aspect of who he is from them, Uh, As he's walking along this road, they were restricted from seeing 
him for who he truly is. But this was perhaps expected and unexpected. You wouldn't expect to see the person that you had just witnessed crucified uh, walking next to you. Um, So imagine that if there is someone that, uh, whether they have died or whether they have moved overseas, distance from you, (laughs) to see them in three days uh, standing next to you again is quite a shock. You wouldn't expect it. But in this case, there was something far deeper happening. We know the story, the road to Emmaus. We've seen it time and again. We've looked at it. Uh, These two travelers on the road having this discussion with Jesus. And the thing that I want to draw our attention to just for us this morning and really to reflect. Because a time like this, we can look at the story. We can understand the picture that is painted uh, of what has happened with Jesus here. He has been risen. We know that. But the thing that I want to really zoom into is this unfolding response that these two have. Uh, verse 30, this is after they now invite him in. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road? And opened the scriptures to us. This morning I want to ask you that question. Have you encountered a burning heart? A burning heart when God's word is declared. Something within you that is resonating. Whether it be because of the truth that you hear. The joy of knowing Something profound, such as what Scripture has to say about sin and death and what Christ has come to do. Have you had a moment where perhaps you've in the privacy of your own home been reading God's Word and something just stirred in you that you couldn't explain? It was as though what you were reading, you couldn't wait to share with someone, perhaps. Or perhaps it was that aha moment that you experienced. Recognizing something in God's word that you had not seen before. And that it had significant weight on who you were. Maybe you've had multiple moments like that. Or perhaps you're still seeking that. This morning I want to encourage us to seek for those moments. To seek for the Burning heart moments as we come to God's word, as we come to his scriptures, as we have it explained to us, not meaning by preaching, I'm not meaning by 
Bible studies, but I'm meaning by something far deeper, and I'm going to get to that. But I want us to desire something to burn in our hearts as we hear the word of God declared. And I pray that all of us will have that. Have that experience that when we see Christ, it makes sense. That feeling in our hearts resonates and becomes so true for us. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? That was the first kind of group or two people that had an encounter with Jesus. We have the second encounter that takes place from verse uh, 33 onwards as Jesus reveals himself to the eleven. I always chuckle at those moments where Jesus appears among them and they're unsure of who he is. As it says in verse 37, they were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. He stands in their presence and they are uncertain of who he is in his fleshliness in his humanity he stands in front of them it doesn't make sense they see something that their minds and their and their hearts aren't able to comprehend and connect verse 40 when he said when he had said this he showed them his hands and feet And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. So, firstly, not only did he say to them, here I am, look at me, see me, touch me, he ate in their presence. Uh, Last I I checked, that would not be possible if he was not human. (laughs) But he ate in their presence. And then verse 45, much like what happens with the two on the road to Emmaus. Verse 45, Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. This is significant because it is through these two encounters that we see it is through Jesus and his interaction that their minds, their hearts, their eyes are open to see who he is. So what do we do if we have this burning heart as we look at God's word as we hear it. What do we do with that? Do we just take it for a good feeling? A happy experience? Or perhaps we need to call out 
to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and ask him to make us see more clearly, to understand, to know him better. It is through Jesus Christ that we are able to understand. It is through Jesus Christ that we are able to see. Nothing in our own abilities enables us to do that. We are either too set in our ways, too stubborn, too hard-headed, or perhaps we are too affected by the world around us. Notice that the story of the two on the road to Emmaus, they were having a discussion around what had happened rather than around who it concerned. They were obviously having this great discussion about this crazy, incredible, strange thing that took place in Jerusalem. As I said, about Jesus of Nazareth. But they they had failed to see the significance of what it was that took place. And he opened their eyes to see what had happened. That the Messiah had to come and die. That the Messiah had to suffer. And he showed them through the scriptures who he was and what he came to do. In the same way Jesus opens the eyes of his disciples. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms, he says to them. Jesus draws their attention to all of scripture. And he says, this pertains to me. And it is through him that he is able to open their eyes so that they can see that. So on a side, as we look at God's word, this that we have on our laps this morning can have seemingly insignificant value. And that may seem like a shock, but it is words on paper, bound like many other books, if we do not understand it in light of who Jesus Christ is. It's an interesting story, at times pretty significant. Historically, perhaps certain events took place that we can see, but it can just remain a book if we don't see it in light of who Jesus Christ is. Loads of interesting stories. But it's through Jesus Christ that he opens our eyes to see. This word takes on flesh. As we see Christ in these words. So perhaps you have experienced something of that. Seeing how scripture points us to who Jesus Christ is. Or maybe you have a feeling but you're not yet sure. Ask him to open your eyes. That you may see him. I want to highlight for us this morning particularly why we can do this. Verses 45 onwards he says... Then he opened 
their minds, so this was for the disciples, so that they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written, the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all the nations, beginning at Jerusalem. This pertained to the message that was going to go out, be rolled out through the disciples and all those that believed and declared in him. You, verse 48, are witnesses of these things. Jesus had to reveal it to the disciples so that they would go out. And this becomes Luke's agenda. So you read Luke and you go and look at Acts. That's the unfolding events from this moment as the gospel goes out from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You are witnesses of these things. And then verse 49, this is kind of so crucial for us. I am going to send you what my Father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. You've got to keep going with Luke's account. And we're going to get there in a couple weeks' time as we turn to Pentecost Sunday and we look at the Holy Spirit that is then given to us. Jesus Christ in his resurrection was not going to leave us to our own demise. But he was going to leave us and give us his Holy Spirit who opens our eyes today still to his word. That we may see and know who Jesus Christ is. It is through his spirit that he wrote his word. And it is by his spirit that he reveals his word to us today. And so when we sit reading his word, may we ask that his spirit will open our eyes, open our hearts to the truth that it holds. May we declare his word that Jesus Christ is the Messiah who suffered and died and rose again. And that through him, a message of redemption, salvation from sin and death could be proclaimed. Ludwig asked the question on Friday, well, what is it that we, what is it that we want to be free from? And this morning we can kind of extend that question. And really ask ourselves, in light of this reality, in light of his spirit that reveals himself to us, what do we want to be free from? Is it free from just the everyday things of life? Or is it free from sin and death? Because that is what he offers us. In closing, I want to just take us to another familiar passage. And it just resonated with me, at least uh, in, in consideration of this, this uh, 
passage this morning. It's John 14, uh, verses 5, and we'll read a few verses there. John 14 is so familiar because we know and we kind of mutter it off. And yeah, it's one of those passages that we go to. Verse 6 in particular, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We all know that. But listen to it. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Thomas asked such a crucial question. Jesus tells his disciples that he's going to die, (laughs) and he's going to go. And Thomas is like, wait, where are you going? How are we going to see you? We don't know. We don't understand. Jesus answers with these words. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. That is true for you this morning. If you declare Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, if you have received his spirit, from now on, you do know him and you have seen him. So for this time, this Easter weekend, as we reflect on Jesus' death, his resurrection, May you know him. May you know of the certainty of him through his word. Because of his spirit that he has given you. And may your hearts burn with a joyfulness. In the fellowship that you get to receive and experience. As you come to one another. And ultimately as you come to the father. For he is the only way to the father. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we do thank you that we have your Spirit and that it is by your Spirit that you have revealed to us what your Son, Jesus Christ, has done and that the significance of that transforms our hearts opens our eyes, compels us to declare, gives us a hope. And draws us to one another. And brings us into your presence. Father, we pray that this is, we know this is just a moment that we gather together like this, but I pray that this will become a deep reality in our everyday life. Every moment of every day, we are in some way or form aware of how you are 
drawing us in through your son, making the way possible, securing our future by your spirit. Thank you, Father, that that you have saved us, that you have rescued us from sin and death. May our hearts be filled with thankfulness, but also forgiveness. Forgiveness for others. May our attitude and life reflect the reality of the cross, of what you have done for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.